Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. It's pretty cool that tomorrow is Valentine's Day and we get to do the Song of Solomon the day before. Hopefully your number one Valentine is Jesus Christ. We're going to pick up on verse 12. That's where we left off last time. So if you follow along while I read, we're in Song of Solomon chapter 1 beginning with verse 12, and we're going to read right now 12 through chapter 2, verse 1, so several verses. While the king is at his table, my spikenard sends forth its fragrance. A bundle of myrrh is my beloved to me that lies all night between my breast. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blooms in the vineyards of Engedi. Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes. Behold, you are handsome, my beloved. Yes, pleasant. Also, our bed is green. The beams of our houses are cedar and our rafters of fir. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. Lord, I just pray that over the next 30 minutes that you would just bless your word once again to our hearts. Meet us where we are, and we just love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you've been with us the last couple times with the Song of Solomon, it is a wild book because it can be looked at all different ways. It can be applied to marriage, it can be applied to the church, it can be a lot... Uh, applied to the believer in Christ. And my main approach in the Song of Solomon is to approach it on an individual one-on-one basis with the Lord. In other words, your relationship, my relationship with Jesus Christ. There'll be some other things that I throw in there, but our main or my main concern that the Lord put on my heart is to develop a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a great book to just read by yourself, to just sit and read and allow God's Holy Spirit to minister to you with the verses that are in it. And in my study of it over the last few weeks, there are so many different opinions of the book of the Song of Solomon. There's so many different angles that you can approach it with. But what we're going to do is, again, the best way is just what God has put on my heart And we're going to take it from there. So in that first verse, while the king is at his table, we looked at that last time. And uh, one of the things we talked about was one day we're going to be at the wedding feast of the Lamb. We're going to be at the banquet table with Jesus Christ, with all other believers. And we're going to have a seven-year wedding feast. It's going to be our wedding feast to the Lamb of God. We're his bride. If you're here tonight and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're part of that body of Christ that will be married to Jesus one day and will be celebrating in the kingdom of heaven at the wedding feast for seven years. 
I know some of you used to party hardy, but I don't know if you've partied for seven years straight. All right, we're going to have to have a supernatural bodies to take that on. But what a, a day that's going to be. And that's a promise. One of the songs tonight talked about the promises of God. That's a promise that we have. That this is something that is going to be in our future. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with that word spikenard, um, which is a fragrance. It's an oil you can buy today. And before we jump into that, I just wanted to show you, this was based on our last talk. I showed you that one of the things that the Shulamite woman, who, by the way, is uh, one of the main speakers in the Song of Solomon, her skin, because she was always out in the sun, if you remember, was black like the tents of Kedar. And that's uh, black wool, black uh, goat skin. And that's how they made their tents. And Pastor Joe had said, oh, it'd be neat to see what was on the other side. We're seeing the outside of the tent. So we shopped around. There was a few different pictures, but one was beautiful inside. And how does that apply? How, does, how do you think about that when you think spiritually? You know, I think about God, how he looks at you and me. He doesn't look at our outward appearance. He looks at our heart. And it doesn't matter what we look on the outside. These bodies, this flesh is temporary. But what's on inside, our spirit, is the Lord's. And he sees our inner beauty. The bundle, uh, uh, the other thing was the spikenard, can you remember any place in the Scriptures, Old or New Testament, where you've heard that? And I would like you to turn with me to Mark chapter 14. And just hold your place in the Song of Solomon. Mark chapter 14. Remember, so many things in the Old Testament are revealed in the New Testament. So many things in the New Testament are concealed in the Old Testament. That's why... I love this church because we go word by, word by word through the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We see the whole counsel of God. We're not just getting morsels. We're not just getting tidbits. And once you go through the whole scripture, it opens up the whole picture, the panorama of what God is trying to say to us. In uh, Mark 14, beginning with verse 3. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask, a very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done 
will also be told as a memorial to her. So that fragrant oil that cost so much that not even the people that were around that table with Jesus even took water to wash his feet, which was a custom. This woman, Mary, poured this on Jesus. Her love came out. And although the spikenard had a fragrance, the fragrance of her love was stronger than that ointment. You see, Jesus knows the fragrance that you give from your heart of love towards him. And I want to encourage you and me to fall deeper in love with Jesus, to pursue him hard. And we see that in this story of the Shulamite woman in the Song of Solomon, pursuing her kingly shepherd, Jesus, the King of Kings the shepherd of our souls. The next thing we see, we see another fragrance here in verse 13. A bundle of myrrh is my beloved to me that lies all night between my breasts. Where have you heard that word of myrrh before? Remember the kings that came to Jesus bearing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh, another fragrance, another um, rich thing in that time. It's something that you can even get today. But one of the things that myrrh symbolized was burial, and it was also used as a fragrance at weddings. How appropriate when you think spiritually of our life with Jesus One day, we're going to be at the wedding feast of the Lamb. We're going to be participants of it, in it. But how appropriate that as we look back 2,000 years ago, we go to a wooden cross on Mount Calvary. And the myrrh that was mixed in water and dipped on a sponge and lifted to Jesus when he said, I thirst. They put it on his lips and he tasted it and he wouldn't take any more. Because that myrrh was also something that killed pain. And Jesus didn't want to stop any of the pain that he took for you and for me at the cross. I think of a little child. I think of our animals when we hold them close to our breast, our chest. One of the things that a child just will fall asleep because it hears the heartbeat that calming, secure, stable heartbeat. And notice here that the Shulamite woman is describing her lover, describing that he's like a bundle of myrrh. He's close to my heart. Wherever I go, he is. I can be alone. I can be sleeping and wake up in the middle of the night. He's right there with me. And as you and I... Hide God's word in our heart and develop our relationship with him through the power of his Holy Spirit that is in every believer. We fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ as we walk with him daily. One of the things is I found a 
uh, picture of where they get spikenard from. This is one of the plants that they extract the oil from. As we continue in verse 14, my beloved to me is a cluster of henna blooms in the vineyards of Engedi. Here's a picture of one of the waterfalls in Engedi. And there's so much rich, richness in this verse. First of all, my beloved, personal. It's, it's, it's a personal relationship. It's a one-on-one relationship. It doesn't say our beloved. It's my beloved. That's a relationship Jesus wants to have with each one of you, that personal relationship. And this cluster of henna blooms, you have to understand, and Getty, let me just uh, show you the next slide, and I'll come back to this one. And Getty is in the desert. It's near the Dead Sea. It's below sea level. Nothing grows there. But there is an oasis called En Gedi. En Gedi, you might be familiar with, is where David hid out when Saul was trying to kill him. A lot of the Psalms, David wrote right in En Gedi. And there's fresh water pools in En Gedi. You can go there today. It's in the middle, middle of the desert. It could be 110 degrees in the shade. But yet there's fresh water pools in En Gedi. And here is a picture of one of the waterfalls that's there even to this day. And on the side, um, on your left side, you see uh, henna blooms. And this is where you can actually sit under the waterfall or to the side, and you can be shaded in the hot sun by these beautiful flowers. And I think of some of the scriptures that... Talk about us being like by the streams of water that's just rushing over us, just feeding us, just refreshing us. And that's one of the pictures here that the Shulamite girl is saying in verse 14. Now, in verse 15, the beloved, her lover says, Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes. Now, one of the things you have to think about in this is in the first few verses of chapter 1, if you remember, she said that she was dark. Do you remember that? She was dark. She was always out in the sun. And back in this culture, if you had dark skin, it was like you were a peasant or you were a worker, where the people with the lighter, fairer skin were the ones that worked inside or they were very wealthy. They didn't have to work at all. But notice here in this one verse, Behold, you are fair, my love. The king, the shepherd is saying to her, You're fair. I don't see your darkness. I don't see that outward appearance that you see. I see you and you're fair. How do you look at yourself in the eyes of God? Do you look through God's eyes or do you look through your own eyes? You know, probably if you look through your own eyes, it's not too good of a vision that you're seeing or picture that you're seeing. But boy, when you look through the eyes of God, he loves you. He died for you. He rose from the dead for you. He's coming back for you. We're going to meet him face to face one day. 
And notice he repeats it a second time. Behold, you are fair. For so long, she was probably putting herself down or didn't see herself through the eyes of the king. Through the eyes of the good shepherd. God wants you to see yourself through his eyes. For he is your king and he is your shepherd. And then that verse finishes, you have dove eyes. And I don't think it means those little black beady eyes. I don't think that's something that any girl on Valentine's Day wants to say, you have pigeon eyes, I love you. But why would he say you have dove's eyes? And I think of dove in the Bible. Think of some of the things a dove symbolizes. One is the Holy Spirit. Two is peace. And one of the things that's cool about the eyes of a dove, it concentrates on one thing. It's not distracted. If it zeroes on on something, that's in its mind. That's what they're looking at. And the king is saying to the Shulamite girl, you have dove's eyes. You have a single vision. It's me. Where's your vision? Where's my vision? Are we easily distracted by the things of the world that get our mind off of Christ? If you're a new believer, the answer to that is probably yes. If you've uh, been a believer for a while, you probably see yourself being less and less distracted. If you're a more mature Christian, you probably do get distracted now and then, but not like you did when you first started off on the journey. And that's the thing. It's a journey, isn't it? Our walk with the Lord. It's a journey. A beautiful journey. And the Lord is with us all the time. Even when we don't think he is, he's right there. He'll never leave us or forsake us. It's not God who moves. We move away from him. And we just have to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I just want to be back in that bond, that fellowship with you. So as the king says, you have dove's eyes. The Shulamite woman says, Behold, you are handsome, my beloved. Yes, pleasant. Also, our bed is green. The beams of our house are cedar and our rafters of fir. We sang some praise songs to the king tonight. We told him how we felt. We responded to what he means to us. We sang him a love song, a praise song. We showed him how we really feel towards him when we sing praises. We get our hearts ready when we worship him for his word, for him to speak to us through his love letters. What a beautiful way God does these things. How he set this all up for you and for me. Turn to uh, Psalm 23, please.
We're going to start with verse 1, but in that verse 16 of the Song of Solomon, it says, Behold, you are handsome, my beloved. Yes, pleasant. Also, our bed is green. And I was thinking of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord for a couple of days. No, forever. Forever it doesn't end. It gets better. It gets better than it is today in our journey with the Lord. We're heading to that time where there'll be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more death, no more pain. But in those first few verses, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He's the good shepherd. Psalm 23 is a shepherd's psalm. He's the good shepherd. The bad shepherd doesn't have a place for the sheep to lie down. They're in the hot sun. They're not by the still brooks. There's bugs and parasites all around. But this shepherd gets them out of the sun, lays them down in green pastures. Just like this intimate moment in verse uh, 16, where it says, also our bed is green. It's fresh. There's an intimacy there. Throughout the Song of Solomon, I think there's about 117 verses, 400 of the words or statements refer to intimacy. How intimate are we with Jesus Christ? How intimate do you want to get with Jesus Christ? He gives us in the sacred union of marriage an example of the spiritual significance of intimacy with him. Being one mind, one spirit. How are we doing with that? Is that a love we want to pursue? Remember, it says God is love. Doesn't have any other words there to replace God. It says God is love. When we're in God, we're in the love that he made us to be in. We're right where he wants us to be. Pursue your main valentine. Pursue Jesus Christ. He's the one that will fill in all those gray areas in our life. The beam, verse 17, back in the Song of Solomon, the beams of our house are cedar and our rafters of fur. Cedar and fur are strong. They're enduring. They last forever. That's our relationship with God. It's strong. It's enduring. It will last forever. 
there's no relationship on this earth that will last forever. Everything is temporary. But that love relationship with Jesus Christ is forever. And then included in our reading tonight, we went to chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Oh, I'm sorry, just verse 1. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. Here is a picture of the Sharon Valley over in Israel. And this is a picture of some of the beautiful flowers that are there. Matter of fact, we'll give you the next picture. That gives you a better one. That's the Valley of Sharon with all the beautiful flowers there. Now, even though the scripture says rose, it's not really the rose that we know it of uh, in our country. It's more like a tulip type of rose of many colors. And you can see in the picture that's up there right now that on the Mediterranean Sea is this plain of Sharon. Okay, it's, it's north of Jerusalem on the map. But you can also see the rocks closest to you and then the plain and then, of course, going down into the water. Not everything grows here, but in this fertile valley, things grow. Around it, is a lot of dead things, a lot of desert, a lot of rocks. You and I are like that rose of Sharon, that lily of the valley. We live in a dry, dead world that's temporary. It's fading away. The prince of the power of the air has done a great job in painting beautiful pictures of what we should go after. But God in his love letters tell us not to be faked out. To look at everything through the light of scripture to see if what is out there is really of God or not of God. Do we do that? Do we avail ourselves of that instruction here in the scriptures? In this verse... I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. This is the Shulamite woman speaking right now. Notice she could be putting herself down right now. Before, if you remember in chapter 1, she was dark. She was always outside. She didn't take care, if you remember, of her own vineyard, her own heart, her own spirit. She was too busy. Here we see in verse 1 of chapter 2, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. What is she referring to here? Why is she saying this? There's so many flowers there. There's so many flowers in this valley. But yet notice the king, the shepherd, is going to respond to her statement. In verse 2 of chapter 2, like a lily among the thorns, so is my love among the daughters. And he comes back and says, oh yes, there are many flowers, but you are the one I want. You are the one I chose. You are the one I went to the cross for. Before the foundations of the world, I knew I was going to die for you. 
And I'm saying you individually in these pews here tonight. He knew you before even your parents or grandparents were born. He knew you. He knew he was dying on the cross for you. And like a lily among thorns. Think of one of the first curses in the Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned. The thorns and the thistles sprung up. But yet in the In that whole area of the thorn and thistles, there's lilies. There's a flower growing. Even though there's pain and work and hardships and even a desert, there's still a flower springing up. Jesus Christ created you just like you are. Just like there's all those different flowers in that picture. You're different. You're his flower. And as we draw closer to him, it's like a gardener rich and turning over the earth, feeding the minerals, and the flowers just getting more vibrant in color, stronger, standing up straighter. God wants you to experience that abundant life that only he can give you in the Savior. Through his Holy Spirit, he's working out your salvation. He's he's bringing you on that journey through this life until you and I meet him face to face one day. Sharon was a very fruitful place. It's where David's cattle were fed. It is mentioned as a place of excellence and a place of flocks. We always want to be in that place where Jesus wants us to be. We always want to be right where he's at. And it always starts where? In our hearts, right? It's always in our hearts. The Shulamite woman now responds like an apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. And his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Sustain me with cakes of raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am lovesick. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Verse 3, like an apple tree among the trees of the woods or the trees of the forest. I'm sure many of you over the years have gone hiking Have you ever come upon an apple tree or an orange tree? I don't think I have. Maybe when I was growing up, there were some crab apple trees and stuff, but never an orange tree or a nice juicy apple tree. Can you imagine walking through the woods, the forest, and all of a sudden seeing a beautiful fruit tree and partaking of that fruit? 
Maybe you're thirsty or maybe you're tired and that fruit just energizes you as you just bite into it and chew on it or just drink of the juice. And this is what the Shulamite woman is saying to her lover. You're like an apple tree among the trees of the woods. You stand out. You feed me. You nourish me. You refresh me. You pick up my spirit. And then it goes on to say, so is my beloved among the sons. He stands out. And how do we apply that for our lives? Well, when you check out who Jesus Christ is and examine all the evidence, you have to come up with the verdict that he is the Son of God. He is the second person of the Trinity. He did die on the cross. He was born. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And he is coming back again. There's really no other God that we can believe in that stands up to the scrutiny of the Scriptures, Genesis through Revelation. And his fruit was sweet to my taste. We know that. He's come together at church on Wednesday or Sunday, or when we have our own devotions and Bible study, we want the sweetness of his word. It's like honey to our lips. It washes over us. It cleanses us. It refreshes us, his word. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. This is a neat one. Here are uh, the 12 tribes of Israel. And on the bottom left is the tribe of Judah, which, of course, King David and Solomon are from. And if you notice, the symbol of the tribe of Judah is the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And his banner over me was love. It wasn't sin. It wasn't guilt. It was love. You're under his banner of love and grace and mercy. All of us are that have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. You're under that banner. Don't anybody, don't let anybody or anything make you think different. That's why he died. To put us under that banner of love. And he sustains us with nourishment. Here we see cakes of raisins. Refresh me with apples. I'm lovesick. Are you lovesick for Jesus Christ? Does it make you sick when you're not around him? Does it make you sick when you don't spend time in his word? Does it make you sick when you're not with the people of God? For we're the family of God, the remnant in this area of the family of God, and there's a remnant all throughout the world that will meet one day in heaven. Brothers and sisters in Christ. And notice again the intimacy of how close Jesus wants to draw near to us. His left hand is under your head, holding it up, relaxing you. And his right hand embraces me. He loves us. It's not a, a God that isn't in a relationship with us. It's not a pie in the sky. We don't know what God is like. Yes, we do. Through Jesus revealing himself, we know what God the Father is like. For Jesus and the Father are one. 
And he has sent us his Holy Spirit to live inside of every believer so that we're drawn to Jesus and the Father. And then as we finish in verse 7, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. This can be taken a couple different ways that I'll apply it tonight. One is don't let any other God come between you and Jesus Christ. Don't let any other God interfere with your love and walk with him. Married people, don't allow any other person to come in between the love bond between you and your wife. And single people, if you haven't found that person yet, love Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Don't be pursuing Allow God to bring that person into your presence, just like he did with Rebecca, uh, like he did with Isaac and Rebecca. Rebecca came from a distance. Isaac was out praying in the field, one-on-one with the Lord, and God just brought him his mate. Don't sweat it. Just be with the Lord. Develop that love relationship. And as we... Think of um, tomorrow being Valentine's Day. There's no greater Valentine than God giving his son to us, that if we believe in him, we will not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.